Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? That's our theme verse from Luke chapter 24, verse 5 for this week's Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Senior Pastor Perry Duggar continues our series called Easter Artifacts. This week's episode, Symbols of Resurrection. Our spiritual practice this week, write Jesus is alive on a note card. Reflect on this truth throughout the week and ask God to show you what this means for your life. If you want to watch the video of this week's message, listen to worship, or search through our message archives, visit brookwoodchurch.org watch or download the Brookwood Church app. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date with the Easter Artifacts series. We pray this message encourages you and your walk with Christ. And now, Senior Pastor Perry Duggar. Do you know that truth? Is He alive in your life? And does it show? Today we conclude our series that I've called Easter Artifacts. And today's message is entitled Symbols of Resurrection. This series, in this series I have referred to physical items, artifacts, that are mentioned in the different parts of the Easter narrative or story. And so today we'll focus on several more. Now why is that valuable? Because the Bible is inspired by the Spirit. And it's inspired in both its overall themes, but also down to the specific words. Now obviously it was written in Hebrew and Greek in the New Testament. But even in English, we see the individual words that refer to these items that were made through human effort or perhaps even found in nature. But every physical item, every artifact mentioned has specific spiritual meaning. Today's theme verse is found in Luke chapter 24, just part of Luke 24. And it says, why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? That's a question asked by an angel. And the question's pertinent to us today. Who are we looking for when we seek the Son of God? Now the items in today's message are found in John chapter 20. If you have your Bibles or if you're using the Bible on iPhone, you can turn there, beginning at verse 1. And I'm going to refer to the stone the linen wrappings, and the face cloth, which reveal the reality of Jesus' resurrection. You see, the resurrection of Jesus points out several things, and the first thing it does is it redirects our expectations. John chapter 20, verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. But notice that she didn't go in. Instead of entering, she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Who was that? Most believe that was John, yes. And John likely wrote this book. He didn't refer to his own name. But it's believed that it was a reference to him. And she said... They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. 
Who's she referring to? Who do you think? Roman soldiers, do you think, Robert? Some, some type of grave robber in any event. May have been the Roman soldiers. Could have been someone else looking for something valuable in there. But someone had broken into the tomb and stolen Jesus' body. That was her, her first reaction. She didn't even go in. She saw the stone was moved. She went and looked for the disciples because she was very upset. See, remember why she went early, early in the morning. She went to the tomb to honor a man that she loved, a man she respected, a man who, if you remember, had delivered her from not one demon, but seven demons, who enriched her life, who deepened her faith with his words, who also allowed her to travel with the disciples and to, to participate in supporting and aiding in his ministry. She showed her commitment and her, her, her courage even by being present as he was crucified. And now she comes to the tomb to anoint his body with burial spices. You see, she thought there'd been no one else to do it. She was unaware that his body had already been prepared. And she wondered, and she talked with some other women there in the dark before they started for the tomb. She wondered, who, would, who will move this huge, heavy stone for us? And then when she arrives, it's already been moved. She's not sure by whom. You know, I think a lot of us have stones blocking the way to Jesus. Various things. Perhaps creation for some of you, perhaps some suffering that you've endured, some tragedy that befell on your family. Something has happened and it's become a stone that keeps you from accessing Jesus. But I believe as God's Spirit or an angel moved the stone blocking the tomb, I believe that if you'll ask, God will have someone move the stone for you. It might be the Holy Spirit. It could be a friend, a pastor, a, co a co-worker. But whatever is in your way, what keeps you from accessing Christ, from going in, from taking a look, if you'll ask, that stone will be moved. Mary assumed to her horror that someone had stolen Jesus' body. But look what this implies, or really reveals very clearly. She had no expectation that Jesus would be alive, did she? She, she, even though he had said at least three times, the book of Matthew states three different times that he said that he would be arrested, he would be put to death, he would be raised again on the third day. But her own expectations about Jesus controlled her thoughts and limited her understanding. She, she did, she saw, she returned to the tomb and she saw Two angels inside the tomb. But that didn't dissuade her from thinking he was dead. She, she went outside the tomb and, and she saw a man, Jesus, and she thought he was a gardener. 
She didn't even recognize him until he spoke her name. Why? Because she expected him to be dead. And that expectation controlled her perception. She couldn't see him. Now when he he called her name, she finally recognized him as she heard him say her name. And she heard his voice and she was overjoyed. But even though the text doesn't tell us there in John 20, it implies she must have reached for him or even grabbed him. And he said, don't hold on to me. Don't cling to me. Because I'm about to return to the Father. In other words, Mary, I'm not here to stay. You want me to remain. You want things to go back to being just like they were. But that day is past, and I'll be leaving soon. What are our expectations of Jesus? How many of us tonight are disappointed in Him? How many of us won't exercise faith or seek to know Him? Because He hasn't met our expectations. He didn't carry out our plans. He didn't do what we desired. He doesn't allow what we want to do. And do we want it our way or His way? Are we willing to submit to His plan rather than requiring Him to submit to ours? I can tell you right now, uh, for me, for my family, as our, our grandson, two months old, is awaiting dialysis in the next few days unless God intervenes, that we, we're wrestling with God. We, we want God to answer our prayers. But how many of us have something that we want God to do and he, he doesn't seem to be doing it? And are we willing to accept what God gives us? Or are we requiring, requiring Him to do what we want? The resurrection of Jesus also reveals Jesus' identity. Although Peter and John were skeptical, they they finally jumped up and ran. Peter first and then John. But verse 3 tells us it in John 20, Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in, and he saw the linen wrappings there, but he didn't go in. Perhaps he was afraid of what he might see. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up. That's not a correct translation. It's actually rolled up. People think of it as a flat piece of of cloth. It, It gives the impression, but it was actually rolled, still in the shape of being over Jesus' face and lying apart from the other wrappings. Now, the previous chapter told us that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had followed Jewish burial customs. And so they had washed Jesus' body. They had covered his body with a perfumed ointment made of myrrh and aloes. So they they washed him, and then they they rubbed this, this sticky substance on him. And then they began to wrap him by by 
taking these linen strips about a foot long and wrapping them around his body, one continuous strip, and, and binding him, almost like swaddling him tightly. And they covered him from foot to neck. They brought 75 pounds, so they put a lot of this on because each time as they would wrap another stripe, they would put more of this ointment, wrap another strip, put more of this ointment, and it was stacked over itself, overlapping. And this sticky, gummy ointment that was infused with spices overnight, you see, would, would harden, and it would cause these cloth wrappings to become stiff so that there was almost a, a solid covering that was adhering tightly to Jesus' body. Now, as I've described it, you can understand that a body couldn't be removed easily apart from cutting the strips. And so what Peter and John initially saw looked like a body. It still held the shape of a body. But they immediately knew Jesus was gone because where the head was, there was nothing because the face covering was some distance away. What they realized is Jesus had not only come back alive, but he had passed through the cloth that enclosed him without tearing it. Now, Lazarus was wrapped up in the same way, but remember, when he came out of the tomb, someone had to loosen him. Remember that? In John 11. So what it proved was that Jesus wasn't merely a human wise teacher. He wasn't even the Messiah King who would drive out Rome and rule Israel. He wasn't merely human. He was divine. His body hadn't been removed by soldiers or by robbers who had stolen the body. For, for, for they would have just carried the body away with the strips stuck to the body. Or if they had pulled them off, they would have just left them scattered all over the tomb. But no, Jesus had been miraculously, supernaturally revived and removed. I wonder if Jesus has revealed himself to you experientially in a way that lets you know that he is not only human, but he's also fully divine. And have you experienced him in a way that has permanently changed the way you think about him? The resurrection of Jesus also results in salvation. Verse 8. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. The open tomb, the undisturbed linen wrappings, the, the rolled up face cloth revealed to John the meaning of Scripture that had predicted that the Messiah would be raised from the dead. Psalm 1610. But I think the Holy Spirit was working because, you see, it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to understand Scripture so that it 
transforms our thinking and our lives. And I think the Holy Spirit reminded John about Jesus' prediction about the resurrection. But, but like Mary, John didn't want to hear it. Like Peter who rebuked Jesus. They didn't, they didn't want him to die. They wanted him to stay and become king and be their friend and be close to them and even elevate them all when he became ruler. How many things do we reject that Jesus says because it doesn't line up with what we want? It appears that this is when John was truly born again, when he was saved. Because perhaps for the first time, the the purpose and the identity of Jesus was revealed to him. And he understood spiritually the meaning of information he'd been hearing. The resurrection of Jesus secured John's faith. And it secures ours as well. Because it proves that Jesus' sacrifice for our sins, not his own, his sacrifice for our sins was accepted by God or he could not have been raised from the dead. Do you believe that? Has it changed your life? You know, Jesus said to Mary, to to Martha, I mean, Lazarus' sister, I am the resurrection and the life. And anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Do you believe? There's not a better time than Easter to come to believe the truth that Jesus died for your sins and was raised for your eternal life. Our care volunteers will be here. They'll talk with you as long as you need. They'll pray with you. They'll anoint you with oil. But you know, like Peter and John, don't go home, it said, until you believe. Father, we thank you for the fact that you were willing to come and die so that we could live. Lord, enable us to believe that we may live even after dying. I hope you have a happy, joyful Easter. Thank you for coming. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Our memory verse is John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. At Brookwood, we want to help you pursue a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience a transformed life. One way you can do this is by getting connected at Brookwood. Please email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call 864-688-8326 to speak to someone on our Connections team. If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast. And thanks for listening. Have a great week.